0: Welcome to yeah, welcome to the Garage Band Dad's podcast. My name's Andrew, and I sometimes find myself attracted to tomatoes.
1: Where's your? Th- oh, and I, my name's Blake, and I enjoy clipping my father's toenails while he watches Dateline. That's actually a, a weekly occurrence around here.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh crap. <laughs> It's
0: really more of a hobby than anything. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know me and Blake, Blake, just uh message each other how we have to introduce ourselves. <laughs> um okay, so today we're going to talk about uh do you want to let's tell the world about how we started a subreddit. So then will talk oh yeah, about we no should. it affects the decline. So, hey, can you
1: crank your volume a bit or something? you you're you just got quiet.
0: Um
1: here I can just turn mine up I guess Okay. alright so we started a subreddit I actually showed Stephanie because I loved it so much
0: yeah
1: so Andrew asked me about uh, what were you asking me about oh customers I mentioned that I was at a customer's house and she gave me a a piece of fresh baked bread and uh, Andrew said I had a girlfriend and then we started talking about how I had like a carb mama and then Andrew said uh, (laughs) what did you say about the bread room (laughs)
0: Dead
1: bread, <laughs> dead bread rooms and uh i just immediately i laughed out loud because i thought it was hilarious and then i remembered there's this dead bedrooms subreddit you know people with problems in their relationships as far as the sexy time goes and uh so we started talking about the so i punched in r slash dead bedroom dead bread rooms and then andrew just made it <laughs> like out of nowhere so now we have a subreddit called "A uh, Dead Bed Dead Bedrooms," and uh, we made a couple of posts about. I made a post about my uh, my wife being on the keto diet, and uh, some lady at work bought, brought banana bread, and now I, it's fallen so far down into this terrible spiral that now I meet this lady in motel rooms, where she feeds me <laughs> baked goods without my wife knowing nothing nothing inappropriate it's strictly eating strictly the carbs strictly carbs that's it
0: and the comments <laughs> were amazing oh my
1: gosh so good the first comment this guy is like why did not you I, go to can a can i just
0: read it verbatim yeah you should read it just buy your own stuff like why are you having essentially an affair over baked <laughs> goods like what even there's a bakery at almost every big grocery store in the country, and I'm positive at least half of them make whatever you're looking for, and literally all of them make bread of various kinds. If I were your wife, i think you were cheating, and no level of explanation would even remotely <laughs> change my mind about it. <laughs> oh, oh.
1: I just couldn't believe that, like, <clears throat> like I thought it was it was fairly obvious, especially the further <laughs> the further you read. Well, okay, a because the subreddit is called Dead Bread Room. <laughs> Come on, and then but the the whole post, I don't think I could read the whole post. It'll take too long.
0: Oh, okay. But the guy who thought you were going to get diabetes. Oh yeah. Then this other guy's like, look, do you want me to is read bad. this? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. On a completely different note, this is very bad for your body. Sounds like your wife put you on keto, which makes your body run on fat instead of carbs. This is a no cheat diet, mainly because your body stops producing insulin to break down the sugar and carbs, as there are none in your body. Suddenly, having surges of sugar will make your body go bonkers with that insulin. And without a constant source of sugar to use that insulin on, you can end up developing diabetes. Please, please, please make sure you either stop the diet, which it seems like you should, awful of her to force you into it, or keep it well. Don't risk your health just to make her happy. This is ridiculous. (laughs) I
1: mean, like... (laughs) Okay, thanks for looking out for me. Also, none of that stuff is true. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) I guess my favorite part of this, I guess, is the last paragraph of my post. This has been going on for four weeks now. Martha and I have started meeting at hotel rooms after work. I pay cash, so there's no suspicion. She brings the baked goods, and I bring my appetite. She's so caring and really happy (laughs) to see how much I enjoy her baking. Sometimes I feel bad, like if my wife found out, she would be hurt. I love my wife more than anything, but I seriously can't do the low-carb thing. Bread and pastry speak to my soul, and they're the only thing that make me feel anything anymore. I need them, and Martha is my only source. Am I a bad person? Like, I feel like that paragraph enough is like – like, dude has a good point. There are lots of other places to get baked goods other than a coworker. And who is this coworker who is eagerly spending all the time and effort to make me bake goods, come to a hotel room in the middle of the night, and then sit there like – calmly with her hands folded in her lap, watching me for 25 minutes while I consume a loaf of bread and a stick of butter.
0: Um, I'm like, there are other clues to this being a satire uh, subreddit, such as the description. My wife won't let me eat carbs. That's (laughs) it.
1: Although I don't know. I feel like that one's fair. I feel (laughs) like, I guess, you know, that part doesn't, it could be legitimate. A support group for men whose wives went on low-carb diets and threw out all the carbs in the house. I could see it being a thing.
0: Like, the avatar for the subreddit is a knife and a fork. It's a pun on a serious subreddit. Ugh. And what makes it even better is I cross-posted it to the keto subreddit, and the guy misread it, it's dead bedrooms. It was like, this is not a keto-related post, leave it. Leave it in dead bedrooms where it belongs. So, oh, so, so good. Man. Uh,
1: Wait, did you post another one?
0: I posted a few. I made. Oh, you two posted a ton. I haven't yeah. been looking. Okay. I found this picture of a, like a, a news reporter and somebody like said, Hey, your dress is showing your pooch and you need to lose weight. And she's like, yeah, right. I like bread. I like pasta. I don't care. <laughs>
1: Let's get a, fear, a round of applause for this fearless bread eater. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that is so good, man. Yeah. So look was up was really fun.
0: Yeah. Look up the uh, Dead Bread Rooms and write your own... Uh,
1: yeah, write us some... What What happened to you? Share. Go to reddit.com slash r slash dead bread rooms. Yeah. And share with us your experiences, real or imagined, of uh, someone in your life forcing you to not eat carbs.
0: Like I wrote... I wrote one. This one was short. My wife started hounding me to lose some weight once I hit 300 pounds. She put me on a strict keto diet. She's a fitness instructor and hot, so I can deal with it. I got down to 280 and she was pretty happy. But what she didn't know was I was secretly binging carbs and then running in the morning. (laughs) My success didn't actually come from keto. I was just pretending to do it. Now I'm trapped in this web of lies. I think she noticed a cookie crumb on the corner of my mouth last week. She's uh, using me as a keto success story with her clients at the gym. I'm just kind of smiling and nodding, but I feel like it's all going to come crashing down. Do you guys think I should come clean?
1: Uh, <laughs> I like the running bit. He's like, okay, I got to satisfy my wife. So I guess I'll start running, but I'm not stopping the car. <laughs> I'm
0: man. losing weight, losing
1: weight. Cause I'm running and I'm still eating a loaf of bread a day. Oh. Speaking of which one more crazy story. Yeah. My, uh, my brother-in-law, <clears throat> former brother-in-law, um, his parents had this guy, some one of their neighbors recommended this guy to like do the roof or some contractor for Renos in the house. Yeah. So they hired him on the recommendation of their friend. And the dude was super weird the whole time. He like they had to pick him up because he didn't have a car. And then they had to take him after they picked him up the first day, they took him to the hardware store to like buy the stuff he needed to do the job. <laughs> and They had to pay for it because he didn't have any money. It's like really weird. But there's a bunch of other very strange stuff. But my favorite part was that every night after work, they would drive him home and stop at the grocery store. And he'd go buy his dinner, which was a loaf of white bread and a steak. And like every night for dinner, he eats a loaf of bread and like an eight ounce ribeye. What a
0: champ. So, the, sorry, they bought him the bread and the ribeye.
1: I think he started buying his own dinner when they <clears throat> paid him for like the first, oh, okay. you know, half up front or something. But, but they were his ride.
0: So this sounds like homesteading. Like, is this in the eighteen hundreds and on the frontier? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I'm a weary traveler. Do you can, can, can I find I'll some? I'll take food a loaf move? of
1: bread and uh, one of them steaks. steaks. That'll be three cents, please. <laughs>
0: And then I'll build ye a fence. <laughs> I'll
1: build ye a fence.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: Can you imagine eating a loaf of bread every night for dinner <laughs> and a steak? And imagine just, how your stomach would feel and how you would feel while passing those beams.
0: Because, like, a ribeye is a heavy steak, right? Like, that is – there's a lot of fat in that, right? It's a like, nice fatty
1: cut, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, my cut of choice.
0: But it is not like a – it's not something you eat and then go for a jog after, right? Like, it is.
1: Well, especially not with 16 ounces of uh, yeah. of bread. That's like several sandwiches. Although, yeah. that's, that's about what I would put down with that grilled cheese machine and back she... in the day. That's true. No problem. That's true. So, we got a song to talk about, huh? Yeah.
0: So, The Decline by No Effects. An 18-minute right. punk song. Yes. Released as a single. When...
1: The average punk song is probably like average, like two minutes or like a minute and a half.
0: Yeah, like one point like eight punk minutes. Songs are
1: quick, right? <clears throat> yeah,
0: they're short. Especially no effects songs. Like no effects doesn't have an album over thirty five minutes. I don't. <clears throat> think.
1: Yeah, right. Especially at,
0: like especially at that point in time, they're all a half hour max, and like a half an hour and fifteen songs or sixteen songs.
1: Yeah. True. Right. So. And good songs too. Yeah, I like those guys. Back in the day, anyways. I haven't listened to new stuff, but...
0: I haven't either. Like, after... Po- once they got really, like, rock against Bush, I was like, this is too political for yeah. me to it, handle. Like I just It just wanna...
1: seemed to get less cool. The music yeah. was less good, I think. Yeah. I kind of lost interest.
0: But... but the
1: uh, decline. 18-minute masterpiece.
0: Yeah. So, a band called Chicks Dig It, which is, like, a local Calgary band. Yeah. They were on Fat Records, which is... No Effect singer, Fat Mike's uh, record label. And they did a 25-minute song just to do a song that was longer than The Decline and to piss off Fat Mike. Yeah. I didn't know that. But I listened to it, or I listened to probably the first half of it. But the way it sounds to me is it's like five different songs, and there's breaks between each song. Like, it doesn't seamlessly flow for 25 minutes. So it's like they took five songs and just played them all on one track.
1: That's the Chicks Dig song?
0: Yeah, instead of just okay. making one 25-minute sure. mm-hmm. song that actually flows together for 25 minutes. Sure. So that's what I would say sets the decline apart, uh, is that it is 18 minutes and it doesn't stop. It sounds like one yeah. continuous song.
1: And it's very like a... It, there's a lot of transition in it, I think. it's, it's yeah. a very, What's the word here? It, like, tells a story musically
0: yeah yeah and there's parts um, so it,
1: it's not just like verse chorus verse chorus verse chorus you know bridge whatever yeah it's like it's all different parts with recurring themes um <clears throat> but it it evolves and yeah changes enough that it like uh it just works man it's like it's like one 18 minute song and it's just really good
0: yeah i think so you know el Hefe. Yes. The guitarist, so he wasn't yeah. always in the band, right? He came. Yeah, the band started in like the early '80s. He came on 1991, and he changed the band. Okay. Right, because he like he went to Berkeley College of Music.
1: Yeah, he was always like the actual musician in the he,
0: band, and right? he made the rest of the band members actual musicians. Because interesting, like as soon as he starts, you can tell. On White Trash Two Heaps and a Bean, that's the first album he's on. That's where they've starts got to get good. They've got melody they've got harmonies they've got two guitars playing different parts instead of like two guitars playing the same part oh, right 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 and you've got a lot of these there's this thing they do these like syncopated pauses right where it's like da. yeah and
1: they
0: he started doing that like adding these little syncopations in the guitars that was his thing and offbeats that was his thing he sure. I,
1: harmonies. They have rad harmonies. Yes, I've always really liked the harmonies in that band, like yeah. for the vocals.
0: Yeah, the
1: wicked harmonies and really good. Um, um, what was the other thing he does? Oh, I shouldn't say really good. Now that I play guitar, I realize he's not like that proficient of a soloist. Yeah, but for a punk band, he ripped it. Was well,
0: amazing, guitar. right? Yeah. So I think his. I was reading some interviews with him. Like he actually came from like a blues and jazz background.
1: Oh sure. And then he just that kind makes of sense. St- <clears throat> like he
0: played in some heavy metal bands. Okay. And then he just kind of stumbled into no effects. Interesting. Um, but yeah, his... his...
1: One thing I've always liked about them too, and this is probably a Hefe thing, they have just really interesting uh, like chord progressions and riffs. They have riffs that are just super no effects. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. they're not... They don't go where you would think they would go.
0: <clears throat> so like, like an interesting thing with punk music is... It's really uh, it, tend, like your Sex Pistols, like your classic punk rock, is really yeah. unsyncopated. So it, it the guitars don't usually have a groove. Like it's just like sure, but there's a lot of syncopation in the guitar riffs, right? Where it's like, and he's got a groove, and he started yeah. bringing the groove into all their, and you can you can tell. It it stopped being the unsyncopated, like, just repetitive... To all of a sudden, these kind of groovy riffs, starting sure. with White Trash, Two Heaps, and a Bean. Interesting. So, like, I don't think... I don't think they could have done anything like this if they'd never brought El Hefe on.
1: I bet you're right, man. Wow, look at this. i just been pulling up their discography. I remember only... Uh, Malachi white Crunch. Songs from, Malachi Crunch. Yeah. But then everything else. White Trash, Punkin' Drublick, Heavy Petting Zoo... So long and thanks for all the shoes and pump up the volume. Yeah. Those were all my jams. Yeah, like and those were all wicked records. Like, yeah, yeah. So there it is, man. Hefe shows up and it's just really good stuff. Amazing,
0: like Punkin Drublick. That was the second record he was on, and that one went <clears throat> gold with no label promotion.
1: Jeez, really?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, it had linoleum. Leave, uh, yeah. Every song on this is so good. I'm I know. It up now. Oh my gosh. What a good record. Like, yeah. one
0: thing I'd say, like, even if you go back to the older albums, Fat Mike, I think, is actually a pretty clever and witty lyricist.
1: He is, I agree.
0: Right? But he just musically, like, the whole band sucked. Right? Well, like, they didn't suck, but they were just your typical crusty mohawk punk. Sure. Right?
1: Yeah. And so,
0: El Jefe comes, and now it's all of a sudden this dynamic where you've got music that matches the lyrics. In terms of like ability, you know, so now you've got these clever and witty lyrics and you've got these grooving uh, kind of, kind of uh, songs. Yeah.
1: Compelling music too.
0: Like everybody I knew in high school liked monosyllabic girl. Oh yeah. And they all thought it was hilarious, right? Because the words are hilarious and then it's got enough of a groove. It's enough of a poppy kind of music and Melody to kind of catch anybody's interest. So, like, everybody loved Monosyllabic Girl.
1: Man, I can hear it in my head right now. (laughs) It's been so long, but I, like, I know it. Yeah. That's wicked. Yeah. What record was that one from?
0: Uh, So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes.
1: So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. Man, I gotta pull these guys up again.
0: So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes has some awesome, like, I'm Telling Tim and, uh, Murder the Government and... It's, it's my job K to keep Punk
1: Rock Elite, man. I love yeah.
0: that one. Um, what's Champs the other? L'Aise. Kill All the White Man.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Desperation's Gone. I loved that one.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, man. These are great.
0: Yeah. So, definitely, they couldn't have done something like The Decline without El Hefe.
1: Ah, uh, I see where we're going. Right?
0: Yeah. yeah I don't I'm think they you. could have done it. Because it... <clears throat> Like as good as Malachi crunches. if you listen to like the rest of the songs on Ribbed or their older stuff, it's just like, wow, I feel like I'm just banging my head against the wall because it is just like. Sure. Right. Same with like Green Corn. I know I've
1: I know I listened to that Green Corn. I really like. Yeah. And Ribbed. I mean, Malachi Crunch. I really liked. But the rest of these ones, I don't really know.
0: You could forget about them, right? Like it's just. oh. I think so. Yeah,
1: and if I go, but if I go back to their other records from back then, I think I probably will know every song just by the. Yeah, I can see every song on here, and I know I can hear it in my head like yeah. immediately. So yeah, okay, I'm with you. I'm I'm on board 100. Hefe, change the game.
0: Total. Did you listen to the orchestra version of the decline? I,
1: I did. After you sent it to me, I pulled it up on YouTube and listened to it. while I was driving around.
0: So my
1: I didn't watch it just listened.
0: My theory... You, so, okay, so you watched the one at, at Red Rocks, right? It was
1: their official video, our official live video.
0: Yeah, so like effects plays it with the orchestra, but there's also yeah. one that's just the orchestra. Oh, okay. And uh, it's just as good. It's awesome, but... Interesting. I think, like, you listen to Vitamin String Quartet, right? Yeah. So I think, like, a test of a pop rock song is... How good does it sound when you reduce it to classical instruments? Sure. Right? And so the decline, you reduce that to an orchestra and classical instruments, and it still sounds amazing. In some ways, it even sounds better.
1: Hmm. Sure.
0: And I'd say, like, if you you take one of your favorite songs, see if Vitamin covered it, it might not be your favorite song after you listen to the Vitamin cover because sometimes the covers are terrible.
1: Yeah, sometimes they're too... um... Sometimes there's just not enough stuff to fill it up.
0: Exactly. Like there's some rock songs and pop songs where it's like, wow, there's really nothing <clears throat> here.
1: Yeah, it's like the bass and the guitar playing the same thing. Yeah. And then the, there's like the one of the whichever f- uh fiddle plays the uh the melody, the melody, and then yeah. that's it. And it's like it's like two parts and it just feels thin.
0: Yeah. But then like there's other songs like their cover of Bad Romance. I'm like this is amazing.
1: Well, to be fair, I saw I think a lot of pop musicians, or maybe just a lot of musicians in general, yeah. their talent gets—wow, um, I'm good at talking right now. Their talent gets overlooked or overshadowed by just like everything else going on. Yeah. Because I who I knew who Lady Gaga was, but until I saw her play "Bad Romance" live, yeah, with just a piano, yeah. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's awesome, man. Or maybe it was Poker Face. It was probably a few songs, right? But to hear her, just her singing while she's playing piano live. And so obviously the structure or like the overall tone and things change in the music when you go from a full like mixed pop thing to like a single piano and one person singing. Yeah. And uh, I was like, holy cow, these are really good songs.
0: Yeah. Like the
1: songs are awesome and her voice kills. Like she's a killer singer. Yeah. And, And not just the voice, but like her ability to manipulate the voice in the right time so that the tone is good, but like... The emotion comes through, which was something I think that I really liked about Adele, and maybe that I feel like that's what got her going is you could like really feel
0: the Oh yeah. You, her like you feel words. it when she sings, right?
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. She had she conveyed a lot of emotion when she sang. Yeah. And so I think Gaga, like, I didn't really care about her music until I heard that and realized that she's a super talented musician. And yeah. I think that that happens a lot with just to to backtrack that into like the vitamin string quartet, I think you can um I think sometimes there's some killer musicians, very talented people, who just don't really shine the way they could because of the music they're playing.
0: I think, cause, <clears throat> like sometimes you get so many bells and whistles in a pop song, you don't actually. Yeah. It's like when you when you reduce it down to classical instruments, you get to hear all the fundamentals that are going on.
1: Yeah, you hear a lot of the stuff
0: for yeah. sure. Yeah, and then I'm like surprised at how many songs sound terrible, like, like yeah. Like uh My Chemical Romance, their first album, I think you were on mm-hmm. your mission when it came out, but it was like a game changer because it was very rock opera yeah, in the emo genre. and it, right. Like it was really different, and I really liked it. But then I listened, like Vitamin String Quartet covered a bunch of their songs. I'm like, this is all crap. Like this doesn't sound good when you reduce it. Interesting. Like the funda- to, for me, the fundamentals weren't there. But I remember sure. there were some other songs where I'm, I'm listening to them, like this is ten times better because I – like I can actually, once you've toned everything down, I can actually hear how awesome this song is on at, at like its core, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Wow, that's so, interesting.
0: And I think that happens when you listen to the decline orchestras that you you've reduced it to classical instruments, so you don't have all the effects and and mixing that you'd get with you know modern rock instruments. And it's like, wow, this is actually really a moving piece of, of music, and <laughs> uh, you know, some parts brings tears to your eyes. Like it's just like it becomes very, very powerful. Yeah, when it's reduced with fun. I got
1: goosebumps on the one part. Yeah, I forget which line it was or which section of the song, but something happened and I was like, whoa! Oh yeah.
0: There's a lot when you when you listen to the at regular orchestra, they do a lot with like timpanies and and like. Uh, and symbols and stuff like that, that it just becomes like very, very loud at some parts. Then it goes to very quiet and you've got like sure. all these varying ranges and you're like, wow, like this is a really powerful song. Just the music of the song is very powerful.
1: Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, I, I it, it's a freaking good song. It's a really good song.
0: And I think like listening to the orchestra version made me appreciate it more. And I'd probably say probably like for the last week I that's the only song I've been listening to. Wow. Yeah.
1: Like probably I probably mean,
0: just I... get through the first eight minutes or ten minutes before I like like when I'm driving to work. I can get through sure. about ten minutes and then I'm at work and then So I probably listen to the first ten minutes of it a lot.
1: <laughs> I um, gotta listen to the uh uh, the orchestral-only version next, I guess. It's
0: awesome. Yeah, you can find it on iTunes. It's called Baz and His Orchestra, I think, is the group.
1: And so is it no lyrics either? It's no just lyrics. The, it's just, just the, the orchestral music. That's it. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting. It's awesome. That's great.
0: <sighs> so yeah. that's the music part. And then lyrically, there's a lot of themes. And th- So this, al- this uh, song was recorded in 1999. So if anybody can go back in time in their brain that long... That's like before Bush.
1: Wait, it was recorded in 99?
0: 99, yeah.
1: It's that new?
0: Well, it's 20 years old.
1: I guess, but I guess I... Uh, the decline by no effects. There it is. See, I thought... Um, I thought, like, listening to it in high school... I thought it was more like another old... When did I graduate? 03? Oh, three? Yeah. So it was only four years old. See, I thought it was—I thought it had been around for a lot longer than that when I was in high school. That's interesting. Okay, so, so it was, what like was it going was, on in
0: '99? Well, I mean, like it was written at the tail end of eight years of Clinton, eight years of Democrats, right? Okay. But I mean, like at this point in time, punk music and especially No Effects wasn't as—like it was George Bush that got them to pretty much just become Democrats. Sure. Right, but before then, they were just really anti-establishment. Anything, Um, right? Yeah, but I think there's some. There were about five themes I picked out lyrically. I thought we could kind of go over these issues and kind of see, okay, has America gotten any better or any worse on these five things in the last twenty years? And how relevant is this song? Is it more relevant now? Was this song prophetic, or is this song just less relevant than it was twenty years ago? Sure. Okay. So the first one is kind of blind patriotism and complacency. Sure. So some lyric like the first set of lyrics that highlight this are like the first two lines. Where are all the stupid people from and how they get to be so dumb? Bred on purple mountain range, fed on amber waves of grain to lesser human beings, zero feelings. So the purple mountain range and amber waves of grain, I had to look that up. Um but that's actually from America the beautiful. So he's referencing yes. America the beautiful and that's where I picked up on okay, he's talking about blindly patriotic, you know, your typical USA, USA, sure, kind of American, right? Who's just like America's the best country in the world and it's like, well, you know, you incarcerate more people per capita than any other country in the developed yeah. world like
1: <laughs> Yeah, so interesting too right. in the next lines he <laughs> says uh Blame it on human nature, man's destiny. Blame it on greedocracy, fear of God, which is I probably I think they're probably atheists
0: for sure. Pretty I, sure they're atheists, Like he def right? he definitely mm. talks about issues with the um, religious right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does all the time. Yeah. So fear of God and then fear of change and fear of truth. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I like that. I think you're I think you're on on the the you know on point there.
0: So with this idea of like, okay. There's a problem in America and the problem with America is Americans think that America is the greatest country in the world even though America's got some obvious problems. They're blindly yeah. patriotic. Do you think that's gotten better or worse in the last 20 years?
1: I think it has gotten both. Okay. I th- I think that the right Yeah. the or at least the right as portrayed on YouTube, yeah. um has become like even more so. Yeah. And the left is portrayed on YouTube is like the opposite. Like, they basically hate everything there is, everything about America. They hate until yeah. some Republican is like, "Okay, well, why don't you move?" And yeah, they're like, uh, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah. So I think, I think there. It seems like there's a a big rift there where people either think it's utter crap and everything about America is a problem because we don't like we because they don't like. Gay people, trans people, women, uh, blacks, yeah. Mexicans, okay. immigrants. So, with that whatever.
0: said, I would just say that if you reduce this idea to just like ignorance in America, I'd just say America has become more ignorant on the right and the left. Sure. That the left, as portrayed on YouTube, is ignorant to the good that's in America. The right, as portrayed on YouTube, is ignorant to the right. things that aren't good in America. So, I'd actually say in 20 years, the news makes me think that America is dumber than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, okay. I, that would, that's my take.
1: I'm with you. I think that's probably right.
0: Okay, this is more fun when we disagree. So, No, but, uh... I
1: think it's not right. <laughs> I think we're smarter.
0: Okay, so the next one I picked up on was greed, and you highlighted that with the lyrics you read. Human sure. nature, man's destiny, uh, fear of God, fear of change, fear of truth, blame it on the greedyocracy. So, I mean, this was before, this song was written before the dot-com bubble, before the Enron scandal, before the WorldCom mm. scandal, before the 2009 financial crisis. I mean, I've got some notes here about how consumer debt levels have increased in America. Sure. Um, the average household has a credit card balance with $8,400. Consumer sure. debt is almost $14 trillion. But wow. that includes mortgages, auto loans and credit cards okay. and student loans. But I – like what do you think about American Greed? Better or worse? Are they less greedy or more greedy or the same?
1: Huh. Um, well, oh, less or more. I don't know how to compare it to what things were like back then. But it, I, I to, if I had to guess, it would probably be more, man.
0: I think so. I think, I
1: think we just are always wanting more. And until something crazy happens – like maybe coronavirus, yeah. you know, is like a step in that direction. Yeah. Until something nutso happens, we're just going to keep consuming more and more and more.
0: Yeah, and I just think like things are so cheap.
1: Yeah. Okay. True. That like You've that's got...
0: another that's another part of the greedyocracy, I'd say is that things are so cheap. <clears throat> and a lot of reasons why they're cheap is because they're being manufactured overseas. And well, and because we've got to make profit yeah and
1: people are so worried about maximizing profits and appeasing shareholders that it's like it's like it's really hard to find a buy it for life kind of thing anymore. you yeah. know it's funny like we're still renting houses. We move into houses with like old um old washing machines and dryers from from like the nineties or or older who knows and they're yeah. still running fine, yeah like, they still work yeah and then my parents when they built their house ten years ago. They put really nice they they bought like a lot of nice appliances to go in there. Yeah. And their washing machine broke already. Their to their uh their what? Dishwasher broke, their microwave broke, their fridge broke, their faucet broke. Like everything's breaking.
0: Yes. Our yeah. our washing machine is on its last legs and I think it's only 10 years old. Yeah, man. And the, like like we had a repair guy look at it and he's like uh it's not worth it to fix. <laughs> Like the There's that too. The right? new motor is going to cost more than a new washing machine. And yeah. uh, this thing's at... He even told us, he's like, this thing's 10 years old, it's done.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: So it's not like we abused the washing machine, or like hit no. it with a baseball bat. He, Like the guy told us, this is how long they last now.
1: Yeah, and so they're just like, we're trying to maximize profits. So we're taking the metal out, we're putting in cheap plastic... You know, we don't care if it only lasts 10 years anymore because we just want to, like, minimize the cost to make it. And if we can keep the price the same to sell it, maybe even go up a bit because it looks cool or because now it has neat features. Yeah. Like, uh, it it shoots a puff of smelly, of good smelling air in your face when you open it. So, (laughs) you're like, he's so stupid. It talks (laughs) to you now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your
1: laundry is done. Have a nice day. Yeah. Oh,
0: thanks, washing machine. Yeah. Like, you're going to be dead before my dog, but it's cool that you talk to me. Yeah, And and I, well, with like cheaper products, it's people in the third world and developing world just end up getting exploited. Like they're the ones who are paying for cheap crap.
1: I wonder too, you know, I've seen, um, you see a lot like people over there. I I know there's some companies that send their old clothes to Africa. Yeah. I think a lot of our old stuff winds up over there somehow. I don't know how.
0: Okay, so one thing that ends up there is, you know, the World Series, Super Bowl, Stanley Cup. They've uh, got to make two runs of shirts sure. for Stanley and so Cup the, champions. The bad
1: run just goes to Africa or whatever, the, the, loser. Or the Philippines.
0: So I know, so. like, it's horrible, but I know I've seen, like, pictures <laughs> of African kids wearing the losing team's oh. Stanley Cup champion shirts.
1: All of these, these <laughs> shirts, of the things that never happened, failed prophecies. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's so like de- de- depressing in a way. This just—I just am picturing this continent full of people wearing clothes that were not relevant ever.
0: Like Vancouver Canucks, twenty eleven Stanley Cup champs.
1: Yeah, wow, that's funny. Yeah. So there you go, and so I wonder how that affects them. Like, I wonder how many people over there are are using like a washing. Machine. I don't know if they use washing machines. Somebody does. You know, washing machine from, like, the 70s, and it's still going fine. But nowadays, they're getting washing machines built in, like, the early 2000s, and they're already toast. Like, they, yeah. nothing's working anymore. You yeah. can't get new old stuff because it just falls apart. And because we, I feel like people nowadays, too, want, don't want to repair stuff.
0: Well, I, th- I like think I think just so- want to
1: throw it away and buy
0: a new one. I think some things are too complicated to repair. Like-
1: There's that, too. But a lot of things are not, man. Like I know myself, I have this instinct or I used to to just like, oh, this isn't really working the way it used to. I'll just go get another one. And nowadays I've realized how, um, how plastic the world is, like how malleable it is and how much you can actually just make things work. Yeah. You know, so now I've started fixing stuff and it's weird how many things I have, I can actually repair instead of throwing them away. And I'm like. Why haven't we been doing this forever? Saving money. It's kind of fun. You feel a little bit of satisfaction when you fix a thing and make it run again.
0: Like what, kind of, what did you fix?
1: Oh, like vacuums. I fixed a couple vacuums. Right. Um, what else did I fix? No, I don't know. There's probably so much things. stuff. Like just yeah. stuff. Two vacuums. All this. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Yeah. I should make a list now.
0: But I mean, like some like cars are getting to be run so much on electronics, like even if they're not hybrids or anything, yeah. like it's not as easy as just flipping up the hood and fixing the, you whatever. know what
1: though? Let's, I mean, that being said, my dealership keeps trying to charge me like an arm and a leg to change my brakes. They wanted like 1200 bucks or something, Right. 800 bucks. So I spent like 20 minutes on Google and I changed all four of my brakes for like $80.
0: Was it just the pads? Oh yeah. Was replace just the pads. The pads. Yeah,
1: they yeah, just change the pads. Oh, they wanted like, twelve
0: hundred bucks to change the pads.
1: Some, yeah, because they're yeah. like, we got to redo the rotors, we got to machine everything, right? Like they just want to do the full meal deal, and I, like it doesn't need any of that. I can just change the pads myself. I didn't know how, but I did it. It's, yeah. it's super easy, and it's yeah. it saved me so much money. And then uh, like transmission fluid, same thing. Like there's lots of these kind of things. They want to charge me 300 bucks for this. Oh, my air filters. Yeah. They want to change me, charge me like three or four hundred bucks to change my air filters.
0: Oh man! Every time I go to like Minute Lube or whatever, they're like, "So we offer a 16 point inspection, complimentary or whatever." Like they pretty much just check your air filters. I'm like, "Don't look at it." Yeah. They're like why not? And I'm like, "Don't look at my air filters. Change my oil." Why not? We can uh, prevent harmful toxins, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, I know you're going to pull it up. I know it's going to be filthy. I know there's going to be a leaf on it. You're going to ask me if I want to change it. (laughs) A leaf. There's going to be like (laughs) leaves and twigs and stuff in it. I know how bad it is. I don't care because my car doesn't smell. So it's not a problem to me. And then you're going to look at me with this filthy air filter and ask me if I want to change it. And I'm going to have no choice but to say yes. So don't even open it.
1: (laughs) But Andrew, here's the beauty. Yeah, you can change it yourself for like thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah. And it takes about four minutes. Yeah. To both both the the cabin and the engine, it was like four minutes and thirty bucks. <laughs> that I changed them both, and I'm like, how was your? How could you justify charging me hundreds of dollars for this? That is insane. So I think we are we're getting useless. Yeah. Like we're getting to the point where. We have so much money, and I know people don't think we have a lot of money because everyone feels poor, but yeah. we do. We're so rich right now. Yeah, we have more money than time that we yeah. can pay people to do everything for us. When, you know, fifty years ago, my parents weren't doing that, man. No, or thirty years ago, no way. My dad fixed everything himself. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it, like, yeah.
0: We so yes,
1: greedocracy, greed. Yeah, we're we're worse off. I I think we
0: suck. Okay, next one is guns. No, it's
1: not as fun when we... Okay, guns, yeah.
0: So this one I think we'll have a bit of fun with. The lyrics that I picked out here, he says, Father, what have I done? I took a twenty-two, a gift from me to you, to bed with me each night, kept it clean, polished it well, cherished every cartridge, every shell. So gun deaths in the USA uh, in 1999, 17,000 per year, were suicides, 11,000 per year were homicides. Um, and then, sorry, I wrote 15 K here for suicides. I meant to write 25 K suicides by guns in 2019. And then homicides went from 11 K to 14 K in 2019. So, I mean, gun related deaths have increased. Interestingly, it's more suicides by gun than homicides by gun. It's always that way. Um, but I mean, mass shootings. I started looking through mass shootings. There's one from August in El Paso, Texas. There was a shooting, 22 people dead. I don't even remember it. Like it just kind of blended in with all the other mass shootings in America.
1: Yeah, it's true. There's been a lot,
0: but that was the biggest one in 2019, 22 (laughs) people dead. Hmm. Um, February 2018 the big like in 2018 the biggest one was the one in the Florida high school I think that was the guy who wrote like a manifesto when he was in incel oh and... right 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 2017 was the Las Vegas shootings wow 2016... that was three years ago yeah okay so interesting thing Noah Fax made a joke when they were playing a show in Las Vegas right after that shooting and they said well you know it's a good thing it was all country fans that got shot instead of punk rock fans right Okay. And they apologized for it. And I read an article saying like punk rock is dead. And it's how can you tell it's dead? It's because no effects is apologizing. Yeah, man. And yes, was the joke horrible and awful and insensitive? Yes. But punk rockers like don't apologize for anything.
1: That's what punk's all about. It is about (laughs) not
0: apologizing. Right.
1: So, but, but there's the thing that's, that's an interesting thing that's happening too. Now is, is like outrage culture and, and cancel culture and all of that kind of, yeah. kind of stuff, right? If you do anything moderately publicly that is offensive to, really, to the left, then you better man up for it or well, find a way to... I
0: mean, it. that joke about the Las Vegas shootings is just insensitive to an entire city. I'm like, <laughs>
1: Well, it's true. It's true, but I think if it was a, a, a strictly, like... um. I don't know if they were like, good thing it was only Republicans. Like nobody. Cares. <laughs> it
0: might have. Yeah, it might have. Okay.
1: Nobody cares.
0: I got you. There. But any like they had no effects was about to launch a craft beer and their support oh, got pulled for that. Their support wow. for the concert or festival or whatever got pulled. They got kicked off the concert and then they apologized. Wow. And it's just like no effects. Would they have apologized for anything 30 years ago? Yeah, no way. And like some of their songs are extremely not safe for work.
1: Yes, some of them.
0: Yeah, like so bad that I'm like, "Mm, I better throw this CD in the microwave before my kid accidentally picks it up and plays it someday, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So they've said some absolutely horrible, awful things, and now they're apologizing, and it's like, what?
1: So punk is dead.
0: Like, it is dead, yeah.
1: But you're talking guns.
0: I'm talking guns, yeah. So Second Amendment rights, Blake, what do you think? What do you well, think about gun cr- gun crime in the states
1: i uh i i I tend to be you know a right leaner yeah, um, <clears throat> so I like the second amendment i think I think the purpose that i mean I don't know who you ask, and I don't know the truth, but the idea that the population should be armed so that they can protect themselves, whether that's from a tyrannical government or that's from some idiot trying to rob them or take their kids or whatever i mean i I like that idea. Yeah, I support that. Um but I can't uh, deny that there's definitely it seems like there's a problem in the US where there's a lot of people shooting a lot of other people that that and <clears throat> the thing is like I also I'm going to pull from the right here and, and say, you know, I think a lot of the times I don't think guns that are obtained illegally should be part of that equation. That makes no sense cuz they're already
0: so okay so gonna explain a little to... bit
1: more. So okay, so like Nova Scotia, um the guy didn't have a pal, he didn't have a license to own any any weapons and so the, all the guns that he used, he obtained illegally. He didn't go through the proper channels. Right? That's a problem because um it's just well, there's nothing you can do about that. You can illegalize guns as much as you want, but if there's a way to get them illegally, then some people will still get them illegally. So you you can't you can't legislate illegal guns. Does that make sense? I lost you. Where'd you go? Something happened. We're gone.
0: Hey, sorry about that. All good, man. Okay, welcome back. Okay, so you're on a, uh, a roll about
1: yeah Second Amendment. Where did I leave off?
0: I can't remember.
1: So basically I think, okay, I like the right to bear arms. I think that's important for the, the population to be able to arm themselves so that if a tyrannical government or some idiot from down the street or whatever wants to infringe on your rights or your property, that you can, you can defend yourself. If needs be, I like that idea. I think that makes sense. Um, there's definitely a problem in the U.S. You've got a lot of problem, ki- a lot of people like killing a lot of other people. Um, now, I have not verified any of this kind of stuff, but you know, some of the right the right arguers say that uh, when Australia did their gun ban buyback thing, that gun deaths absolutely decreased because there was far less guns around, and that's true. But murders actually increased for a short time and then leveled out to previous levels. And if right. that's true, then, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's I, no one cares if people are killed by guns. It doesn't That doesn't matter. It's like that people are generally being murdered. That's really the problem. And so if that Australia data is true, then all it means is we've just changed the method by which people kill each other. And so that's not really solving any problems, but it is creating a new one where if people want to defend themselves or need to defend themselves, maybe they can't as well. Um, <clears throat> anyways, I like... As well, the Canadian method, I don't know how—I uh, think it's easier to get a gun in the U.S. And in Canada, you have to take a course, and you've got to do—there's background checks and a bunch of stuff like that. And it's more difficult. And so I think that's a—I think it's a good way to go. And we have—we have, we have a, quite a few less problems with it.
0: I don't know so if that's a were...
1: population thing or if that's a uh, a, temperament thing or I think combination. I don't know.
0: The next point um, from the song, I think is going to feed into this a little bit for why there's more, because the question is, why is there like, why is there just more death in America than other developed countries? Like, why is there more homicide and suicide in America? Sure. Then generally, whether it's guns or not. Okay. Why is it this bizarrely developed yet violent country? Yeah. And I think a bit of that has to do with how they treat criminals. Okay, and so they talk a little bit in the decline about it's a combination of marijuana legalization, war on drugs, tough on crime, justice system. Mm-hmm. So the lyrics are: Jerry spent some time in Michigan, a twenty year v- year vacation. After all, he had a dime. A dime is worth a lot more in Detroit. A dime in California, a twenty dollar fine. Okay. Uh, so what he's talking about is like a dime bag of marijuana. Yeah. If you if you're caught with that in Detroit, you'd go to jail for twenty years. If you're caught with that in California, you get a fine. Sure. And so from state to state, drug laws were different and some of them were excessively severe. Yep. Um, and then they talk about <clears throat> the next lyrics. Uh, Jerry only himself. stayed a couple months. Yeah. He kills himself because he doesn't want to get raped in prison for 20 years. Wow. When all he had was minor drug possession. Um, so, I mean, America, it's an incarceration rate. I put a graph here. Um. so in 1980, before you had tough on crime laws mm-hmm. and the war on drugs, you had about half a million Americans incarcerated. There are now almost two and a half million Americans incarcerated. Wow. <clears throat> and like a question you have to ask is like, why is America full of criminals? And one thing that's, that uh, Their rate of recidivism yes. is 77% after five years. Canada, the statistics aren't very clear, but the best one I was able to pull out was about 15% of a new conviction within five years.
1: Whoa, that's drastically lower.
0: Norway's got 20%, and Canada and Norway and a lot of other European countries and kind of more social democracies focus a lot more on prisoner rehabilitation rather than punishment. Yeah,
1: I think that's huge. I don't remember which country it is, but there's this prison in some some Slavic whatever uh, kind of country where they. Yeah. Um, I should find it. It's super interesting. They they all get their own cabins. You get your own like personal cabin when you're in prison. I Think that's Norway. It might be Norway. And, and they like, take care of horses and stuff. Yeah, they have like projects, yeah. like craft projects. They go out and do community service, and they like teach them how to cook. They have their own kitchen with knives and everything in it, and they like make their own meals. And and. Um, yeah, it seems like instead of just throwing you in a pit with a bunch of other like skeezy criminals, they put you in like a nice place and show you what life can be like if you contribute.
0: Like there's, I think if someone has done something to get into jail in the first place, yeah, not in every case, like there's sociopaths for sure, but I'd say for some people it's Life has already dealt you a pretty crap hand to get you here. Interesting. And by locking you up and making you associate with other crappy people, we're not going to get you to a position where you can be a functioning member of society. Yeah. So you've already been dealt a crap hand. Let's see if we can fix some of your bad habits and teach you some life skills and then transition you properly. And if you've got addictions and other issues, let's help you get over your addictions. Yeah. Manage your drug problem. So when you get out of here... You're, you you can a get a job and contribute to society. And then <clears throat> really, because getting out of jail and contributing to society, that's how you pay your debt to society for being a criminal in the past. Yeah, I like that. So but you don't rath- pay your debt to society by sitting in jail. No, by,
1: like, by going through punishment. No, you should, be, you should be able to get out and go do good to make up for the bad.
0: And that, like, that is the core message of Les Miserables? Mm. Like you've got Jean Valjean who gets out of jail and then tries to steal candlesticks from, or tries to steal some silver from a priest. He gets busted by the 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 police. They're going to throw him away for life because he broke parole. And the priest says, oh, you forgot all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. You left in such a hurry. You weren't breaking in. Right. I gave you all this stuff and you left in too big of a hurry to catch all the silver I was giving you. And the priest says, "Use this silver to become an honest man." And then Jean Valjean turns his life around and helps all these other people, and life's amazing. But um, that's the idea, right? Is that if you you give people who've come from a bad circumstance a chance, yeah, they'll they'll take the opportunity to be good.
1: Yeah, I f- I fully believe that. I guess maybe a problem with the U.S. is it's a bit it's so independent. And maybe that yeah. comes from their, like the original origin of the country of these people, like running away from a government they didn't like that tried to strong arm them back into it, and they had to fight for their lives to stay independent. And now their independence and that hard work is so ingrained that like, it's like uh, blasphemous to think that that you should have help.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. That there's this independent, like independence is such a virtue that there's. Really, no idea of society being a, of a benefit or a value, right? It's I'm on the frontier. Yeah, it's me against the engines. Yeah, I've got all, like that's my gun.
1: Everything it's all about you, right? The yeah. American dream is like if you work hard and yeah. then you can achieve stuff, rather than if we work hard.
0: Yeah, or, which is also the problem they take with that is that society sounds a lot like social and social sounds a lot like socialism.
1: There's a, there's a fine line, man.
0: Right. It, you can have, you can just say, Hey, do you want to have a nice society where like we look after people and maybe I pay a little bit more in tax, but I know that I've got less criminals because we've got programs that help people turn their lives around. And I, I'm actually proud of that. I'd rather live somewhere where I'm not afraid of getting shot and pay a little bit more in tax. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like I'd say that the the levels of incarceration and recidivism, I'd say for sure has to do with the amount of gun deaths. Because one, you've got people, you've got like a criminal class of the population where their whole life is just going in and out of prison. Yeah. And then you've got law-abiding citizens who are petrified of the criminal class. So you got all these people buying guns sure and, and being afraid and I like I think that's the reason why. So if they want to reduce gun crime they need to figure out cause nobody looks at this. They look at the number of people in prison and say, "Man, I'm sure glad we got tough on crime." Nobody's taking a step back and saying, "Why is one of the richest countries in the world full of criminals?" Yeah. We got more criminals in Turkey per 100,000 people. Like wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there is a right? there's a cultural problem there somewhere, huh?
0: Yeah. So I would say on that one they've gotten worse in the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then the last one that's kind of thematic is anxiety and depression. Uh the lyrics serotonin's gone, she gave up, drifted away. Sarah fled through thought process gone, she left her answering machine on. The greeting left, spoken, sincere messages no one will ever hear. Uh, so your thoughts on anxiety and depression uh, in the last 20 years, better or worse?
1: Well, I don't know because I think it's only become a mainstream thing people can talk about recently. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would guess, I think everything's gotten worse. I imagine that if we pull numbers, well, here's the thing. I imagine if we pull numbers that they will be worse, but I think a lot of no. that is because diagnosis is happening more and differently yeah and and i think even people now are not going to be as afraid to go to their doctor and say hey i think i have depression or i i'm in a funk and the doctor's like you have depression whereas maybe 40 years ago some dude or 20 years ago even you know our dads are like man i feel crappy better man up and like go build something yeah Um, you know and so that might have changed so it could have been similar levels but we're just more aware of it now and more open to it or about it but I also think that uh, a lot of our habits and lifestyle um, and things that we do now are changing to be things that we think we want but things that are not good for us and I think that will contribute to us being more depressed generally so I think we're sucking on that point
0: I think uh, it's interesting. They find more incidences of anxiety and depression in wealthier countries than poorer countries.
1: I totally believe that. That that's in, hitting to my last point.
0: Yeah. So when like one thing you find is when people stop focusing on survival needs, mm-hmm. they actually become more anxious. Yes. When the focus of your life isn't survival. Is this
1: a study? Because I I firmly believe. Yeah. That. Yep. Yeah, I fully believe that. Like we evolved. Well. That we, when we have real problems to deal with, like dying and finding food and shelter and stuff, I think we're at our best. And when we, when we don't have any real problems, we make problems up, and it turns into chaos.
0: Well, Tina, I got in a car accident uh, like two days after Christmas. Okay, and it was like it was terrifying. Um, like I was going north on a road, on a main road. I was going straight through a. Uh, intersection, I had a solid green light and somebody turned left in front of me on their solid green. So I had the right of way, but all of a sudden, like I'm doing my thing. I've got the kids in the car, they're listening to music, singing at the top of their lungs. And all of a sudden there's this car in front of me, absolutely terrifying. The airbags go off. Yeah. The car smells like smoke. I wondering if the engine's on fire. I go pull off on the side of the road and the kids are screaming and crying and freaking out because they've got no idea what's going on. And in that moment, I was sharp and coherent and managed it and calm. And I got the kids and it was done. And then I got out of the car and the the fire department came, the cops came. And pretty much after that, once I was back into safety, I could barely talk. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like when I was in crisis mode, it's like your brain just flips a switch, and you manage it, and it's no problem. And then once yeah, everything's okay, I'm like like the the fireman's talking to me, making sure I'm not injured, making sure the kids aren't injured, and he's like, "Oh, what happened? How are you doing?" And I'm just kind of like, blah, blah, blah. And "There was this in a thing and went and I slammed the brakes, but I, not enough time, and I in kids, yeah, airbags, right, car." who's going to pay for this? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I like it. Was, I've had two. like, when I crashed my motorcycle, um, yeah. I like, I stood up from the crash and yeah. I, I was angry that I, cause I, my bike was only six weeks old and I was yeah. so mad. I rip off my yeah. helmet and I was about to throw my helmet on the ground. And then I just realized like, that would be stupid. So I put it down and yeah. then I, uh, picked the bike up, set up the kickstand then I noticed yeah. that my wallet was missing because my pants were no longer t- complete, and yeah. so then I looked around for my wallet and found my wallet. yeah, and it was like it was very, oh, I called I had an app- I was on my way to an appointment, so I called the appointment and said I wasn't going to make it, and then I went and found my wallet. Yeah. and when when Jacob was born at home in the bathroom, it was the same yeah. thing. I was just like, "Let's do this." And I just like yeah. went and delivered a baby. Yeah. You know, and it was, I was focused and just like not freaking out, not scared, felt really good. It was fine. I felt, in fact, that made me think harder about getting into law enforcement,
0: you right. know? Cause
1: I was like, huh, I handled this like really well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I think we're, we're built to do that stuff. Yeah. You know, and even if it's not adrenaline all the time, but it's like, okay, we need to build a fence or we need to build a house that we're going to live in. Like, I i I don't know I think it's like you're seeing real results you're doing things that you can live in there's satisfaction there you're like working with your hands and your body and outside I we're just made to do that stuff we're not made to sit in offices making so much money like dude yeah even the poorest among us like we're so rich right now yeah we are oh, so yeah. rich like I have a great job and I don't make that much money um but I love my job. It's very stable and it's yeah. a steady check. And but like even with this like low income that I make, or I don't know where anyways, we're not poor. Doesn't matter. I'm rambling about how much money I make. I have a fine job. It's not an yeah. amazing job. It's good enough. But I live in like a great house. There's nothing wrong with yeah. my house. We never have I'm fat. Like we've got enough food. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have two cars. We have we have more than we could possibly need. We are richer than anyone else in the world you yeah. know barring a few a few very wealthy countries like we have it so well off we think we have problems but we don't have problems
0: i'd say like i think that that is the hole that like religion and spirituality kind of fills is that because a lot of like religions come back to a common theme of like your material possessions do not make you happy yeah you know, that seems to be a common recurring theme and it I'd say, like, we've become, if we go back to, like, Amer- the American greed portion and the greedyocracy, is that that's something that's kind of feeding into anxiety and depression is, like, yes. people perpetually feel like they never have enough. I remember, like, when me and my wife were first married, and we'd see other people who are, like, similar age to us, but maybe they had a bunch of kids, mm-hmm. and we'd see them wearing, like, nice clothes, or they always had new stuff. yeah. And we we're just kind of like, how? And I'm like, hey, do you know what? We don't have a credit card balance at the end of the month. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what their situation is, but the thing I know is we don't, <laughs> and we don't have new stuff, but we don't have a credit card balance at the end of the month. So yeah. we're happy. Maybe they do. They must. It was kind of the thing. I, I was just like, there's no way they can. Have the jobs they say they have, and the number of kids they have, and live in the house they live in, and wear the clothes that they wear, and right. buy the purses that they buy, and not have like three credit cards with balances at the end of the month for sure. Yeah. Yes, yeah, true. true. Maybe that sounds horribly judgmental. Let me know in the comments, but <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's that's
1: the truth, man. Though, like a fr- some friends of ours got married and uh, bought a house like pretty quickly, and the wh- the wife is talking to my wife, and she's like really worried because she doesn't know if they can really afford it and they bought like okay they're they're young they're like early mid-20s and they just bought their first house and it was like a big front attached um probably like 2,000 square feet like a nice house yeah so I don't know how much money it was but it was it was in Calgary yeah so it was you know half a mil or more yeah and it's like so part of the problem is they grew up in a house like that after their parents have been working for 20 years. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like, yeah, we should be happy living in like butthole little cottages and stuff. Yeah. You know, until we can afford the other crap, but we, we grew up, I think, cause our grandparents grew up like very poor. Yeah. And then they started to make money and then our parents, especially like boomed the baby boomers, right? Like they made, yeah. they made real money. They're the richest generation ever, but they still grew up with parents that weren't super rich yet. Yeah. So our grandparents have this real appreciation for wealth and for poverty and the, the fine line between the two and our parents grew up being poor, but like growing money. And so they also have an appreciation for that and for work ethic. And like, they made that happen. And then we grew up being rich right from day one. And so we don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree. I mean, everybody's got a different kind of set of circumstances. but That's fair. That's true. I mean, but uh, I'd say generally, like even we weren't growing up, we weren't very rich. But I think I was, like, I was better off than my dad was.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's you what know? I mean. So, like, we weren't rich yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, but, but when I say rich, what I mean is, like, I never thought we were poor growing up. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, we always had enough food. We always like we we went places. We did stuff. Yeah. I never for a minute thought like if I don't go get the eggs, we're not going to eat today. So I have to yeah. do yeah, my totally. part. My dad just disappeared into the basement for 40 hours a week. And then, you know, money yeah. showed up and food appeared and everything was just taken care of. But like yeah. when my dad was growing up, they all had like major chores. And grandpa was um, like sometimes they didn't have very much food. And they had to eat, like, crappy food because they didn't have any money. Yeah. You know, different story. Yeah. So, I think um, that greed – I think a lot of the – when – like, greed is – sometimes that word, like, rubs me the wrong way because it has this malevolent, um, like, vibe to it. And I don't think it's necessarily – that, but I think a lot of it is this intrinsic. Like we see everybody else living a certain way, and we think that that we should be there too. Not because we want the nice stuff, but I think to feel valued, yeah, to feel yeah. like we're valuable members of society. We also should have those nice houses and nice cars and nice clothes, and be able yeah. to eat out and and do all that stuff. Or else we feel like we're not successful. We're not making it.
0: Well, I'd say like one of the problems with when we talk about greed is that it's like a problem of the rich hmm. but you can be poor and greedy yeah you know what i mean yeah. because you're just your only focus is like comparing yourself to others and getting more whereas you can be wealthy and give a lot away and not really be thinking about yourself you can be poor and thinking about yourself all the time
1: yeah actually my dad was you...
0: sorry go ahead Oh, no, you go you go I say
1: my dad was telling me about a study. They mailed out checks. They had a yeah. bunch of like checks that went to the quote unquote wrong address right hundred bucks or five hundred bucks or whatever it was. Maybe it was twenty yeah. bucks, I don't know, but or maybe it was cash even and so they okay. sent these all out to like a whole bunch of poor people. I think they found them based on their incomes. They sent it to a bunch of poor people and a bunch of rich people yeah. and they the way they sent them out made it obvious that the envelope just showed up to the wrong person. Okay. And the rate of return from the rich people was like a hundred percent or close to it. And the rate of return from the poor people was like, I don't remember, but it was very, very low.
0: Yeah. So,
1: I mean, it's not greed necessarily, but I don't know. I don't know. I know a
0: bit of it, like a bit of it's survival. There's survival for sure.
1: But part of that survival is like part of the reason we're poor is because we're 23 and buying $600,000 houses. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you wouldn't be poor if you just lived within your means.
0: Yeah. So I know, well, I know like some older people who were telling me about when they bought a house, like they really stretched to get into their first house. Yeah. But ended up saying it was like the best decision they ever made. Well, that's like, good. They're just happy. They got in early. Sure. But that's cause but they had to stretch. The like, price of their to house has, to it it. has
1: increased by like 7,000%. Yeah.
0: But I just mean like, I guess everybody's circumstance is different, but I like, I see what you mean about, well, because you know what? Those same people, they bought their houses. I'm talking about people who bought their houses maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But let's say they bought their house five years ago. Yeah. In Calgary and stretched to get in. They Yeah. <laughs> right now, they're not, not happy so with that. No. Not happy. Yeah.
1: So. No, we have a mutual friend who's like dying to get out of his house. Dying yeah. to rent, to sell his house and go rent something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I'd say, like, because once you got a mortgage, like, you're nailed down to where you live. Yeah. I think. You are. Because it's, it's like, because now if I want, it's not just breaking a lease. I've got to sell this freaking house. I've got to pay a realtor. I've got to fix up stuff so I can sell it. I've got, I've accumulated so much crap in this place. Yeah. How am I going to move it all? Like.
1: It's a real thing, man.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'd say home ownership's been over glamorized. Like. I remember being in university and like when I'd be in new classes and it's like, go around the room and introduce yourself. And there would always be like some girl who's like me and my boyfriend just bought a house together. I'm like, you're 21. Right. But I think because I
1: think homeownership, um, well, okay. Because owning property has always been a big thing. Yeah. But it used to be like owning farmland or like, you know, something you could do stuff with. And then our grandparents all owned houses and stuff. And then our, but, but for them, it was like, for them, it was a natural progression because everyone could afford a house. Yeah. You know, like any, didn't matter what you did really, as long as you had a regular job, you could afford a house, no problem. Um, yeah. and then for our parents as well, it's like, uh, it's just part of growing up because, because we're rich. Yeah, But I think the economy has changed. Some things have changed. And so now we just think that like to be – if you don't own a house, you're not like a fully functioning member of society yet.
0: Yeah, it's like it's a weird thing, right? And then people feel – people are renting in in their 30s or whatever. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so far behind.
1: Yeah, but I'm happy about it. I've realized that I'm happy renting. But it took a while. It took a long time for me to come to terms with it. And even now, like – Like when I say that I'm moving with customers and stuff, they like are just assuming I'm buying.
0: And I say I'm renting and
1: sometimes they like flinch at that. And I'm like, dude, just, just wait, man. I don't know. I, I, I,
0: yeah.
1: So, so is this, is this, uh, we're getting off topic a little bit.
0: Yeah, but okay. So just like to wrap it up. Yeah. What are your thoughts here on this song? Uh, I mean, the lyrical themes of this song.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I wish I would have read through the whole thing, but I think that these are actual real. um, This is a really well-written song, and I think there are real problems with the Western world in here, and it doesn't seem like they're getting any better.